Amen. We need that reminder. Not just because of what day this Thursday is. And by the looks of Walmart yesterday, everybody's already done their shopping. <laughs> so you might as well not, not go because there's nothing left. But Thanksgiving needs to happen every day. We know that. Every day needs to be a day that we thank God for the blessings of this life and all the things that he gives us and all the things that he does for us. And um, just, I think sometimes we forget how blessed we are. And, and it's, it's easy to do, but we shouldn't. And now, as long as we understand that, go ahead and eat all the turkey you want on Thursday. Root against the cowboys. And um, see, Bill didn't hear that one. Um, <laughs> I said root against the cowboys. <laughs> and, 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 and enjoy time with friends and family. Or just take a break and catch your breath. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to do that. So at this time, speaking of catching your breath, I'm going to let the children go with Miss Edith. <laughs> and they are already ready for a, for a break this week. You know, we, we thank, like I said, you know, this week being Thanksgiving, we thank God for all His blessings and all that He's done. How often do we thank Him for the hard stuff? How often do we thank Him for, for the lessons that aren't as much fun to learn? Well, get ready because we got one today. You know, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus told it like it was. And he had no reason not to because of who he, who he is. But, but um, Jesus didn't play. I don't know about you. I've been challenged these, these this is week 13. We got one more. But I've really gained a lot. You know, we read this over and over. And I think that's why it's so important that we get involved in these daily Bible readings. Because every time you read God's word, you get more. You see something you didn't see last time. And going through this study on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus laid it out there. He, he didn't mince any words. He didn't, if, if you have trouble understanding, it's not because he didn't try to make it plain. And today... You know, it's one of those that, that we don't like to talk about some of these things. But we need to talk about them because they're true. And because our whole relationship with God hinges on the truth. And, and, and you know, we, we, there, there's been a saying out there for years, you know, keep it real. And I think sometimes we forget to do that. I think sometimes we put up this... this facade and we put on a mask and we try to act like what we think people want us to act like and be what we think other people want us to be and there was a group back in Jesus day who did that too they were called Pharisees and when we read the Bible we say oh well, them Pharisees I wouldn't want to be like them but how many times have we been like them we try to look good on the outside 
But inside, it's not what it ought to be. And I think we all can use a booster. And so today's going to be just that for all of us. So, hope you know, we gave out steel toe boots when you came through. If you didn't get any, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm just kidding. We didn't really give out boots. <laughs> Don't nobody go back there and start looking. Um, Matthew 7, verses 13 to 23. Enter by the narrow gate. For the way is wide, the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Father God, we come this morning asking you to bless the reading of your word. We ask you to bless this time. God, we ask you to speak your truth to us. This is not my message. This is not anyone else's message. This is not coming from man. This, this has to come from you. God, forgive us when we forget to trust you to do things that only you can do. Forgive us when we let distractions and things in the world that are smaller, minuscule in comparison to you, override what you're doing in our lives. Forgive us when we forget to take this truth to a world that's lost and dying and needs to know. So today as we check our own relationships, let us be aware that there are so many out there who aren't in a relationship with you. And you have commissioned us to go and get them. And to go and get them in love. Father, your will be done. Bind the enemy. Speak your truth. Receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we're going to truly live the reality of our relationship with Jesus, there are four things today that Jesus is telling us that we need to understand. And the first one is, it's not easy. Anybody thought when you got saved, you was on easy street for the rest of your life and no more problems? They told you wrong. That's actually when it, when it starts getting harder. It's when we start that walk. Um, but, but, it, but it's not easy. He says in verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who, who enter by it. Who here likes to sit in traffic? You raise your hand, you're alive. 
Nobody likes to sit in traffic. And, and for some reason, God sent me from a place that I consider traffic to be one car out while I'm trying to drive. To a place that, that traffic is like the national pastime. Nobody likes it. So what do we do when we see traffic coming? We got to find a shortcut. We got to find another way. And sometimes we get off the road and that other way isn't the shortcut we thought it was going to be. Sometimes we don't know there's construction on that road too or, or an accident or the GPS don't work and we just get lost. Been there, done that. Well, a lot of people don't like to follow rules or be told what to do and they think that they know better than anyone else what's best for them. And we've all been there. We're all human. We all have had those moments where I want to do it my way. If there's an easy way, that's the way I want to do it. I want, to, I want little effort, big reward. It don't work that way. If you find a way that it does work that way, tell me. Because a lot of us are doing it wrong if that's the case. But we don't, we want to do it our way. And Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And there's a and those who are taking the easy way, those who are trying to do it their own way, those who, who are running where it's just wide open, everybody's here. That road doesn't lead to life. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few are those who find it. See, there's a story in Numbers chapter 22 of a prophet named Balaam who was going to speak evil to God's people, speak destruction, speak judgment. Against God's people. God did not want him to share that message. But his donkey was smarter than he was. Because the angel of the Lord stood in front of the donkey. Stopped the way. Balaam began to beat it. Then he, then he positioned himself where the, the rocks were on either side. And, 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 he, and Balaam would hit his foot. And so he beat his donkey again. And then in verse 26 of Numbers 22. The angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. Where there was no way to turn to the right or to the left. And so the donkey just sat down. Balaam began to beat it. And the donkey finally had enough of it. Turned around and said, what you beat me for? <laughs> Sometimes God can speak through donkeys. Okay, I'm going to leave that where it is. But the point is, the angel stood in a way where there was no way to go but straight. We talk all the time about the straight and narrow, and there's a reason for that, because the path is exactly what it is. It's straight, and it's narrow, and He has put the way there for us that we don't need to turn to the right, we don't need to turn to the left, we just need to follow Him. He's given us a way to overcome the life, the, the, for us to follow, to overcome this life. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And in John 14, 6, he said, 
to his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. If there was another way to get to heaven other than following Jesus Christ, then he would have not had to die on the cross. It would have been unnecessary. It would have been foolish for him to go to the cross if there were other ways that we could get to the Father. But since he is the only way, he is the door, he is the path, if we follow him, we're going to get where we want to go. If we don't follow him, we're going the wrong way. Oh, we're just getting started today. We, just, we, 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 ain't even, we ain't even scratched the surface. So we need to understand that it's not easy, that there's one way. And we need to understand that there are going to be those who are going to try to deceive us. And tell us that there's other ways. And tell us that there's an easier way. And tell us that it doesn't matter what we believe or what we do. There are false teachers. Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. And the word, in, the word in the Greek, and this is the only Greek I'm giving you today, so you get a break. But the test will be in two weeks. Y'all been studying, right? And this, this Greek word says it exactly what it is. Pseudo-prophetes. False prophets. Religious imposters. Pretended foretellers. Those... Who will try to deceive the church. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise. And will show great signs and wonders. So as to mislead. If possible even the elect. Because you know what Christians. Sometimes we can get deceived too. Sometimes we hear. Whether it's a preacher. Whether it's a teacher. Whether it's a, a musician or a singer. Or, or, or whoever. What y'all got these things, you kids, these, what they call a podcast. I don't even know. That's like a TV show without the TV. But um, I, I don't even know what, all, what that is. But you got all kind of people saying all kind of things. And a lot of them have just enough Jesus to be dangerous. A lot of them use just enough scripture to hook you. And they get you on the line, and you think, oh, no, that, that, that guy, and then, and then they hit you with it. Yeah, it's okay. Do what you, do what you want to do. Lord, Lord don't, don't care as long as you say I'm a Christian, as long as you do, do these things, as long as you come to my ministry, as long as you write me a check every month. Uh-huh. Then you're going to be fine. And we have to be aware because sometimes it's subtle because they don't hit you with to write me a check every month right off the bat. Because then we'd say, nah, <laughs> that's, not, that's not right. They, they bring it along to the point of where if someone allows their heart to be deceived, then they can. Paul warned the church of this in Acts 20, 29. He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And Peter says in 2 Peter 2.1, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. They're, they're, they're all over the church. They're everywhere. When I say the church, I'm not, I'm not saying Berea. I'm saying the church. 
There are false prophets, there are false teachers, though, or those who mislead. Well, how do we know? Well, we can know. And we must guard against the deception. 2 Timothy 3, 5 says they're holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. They, Like I said, they look good on the outside. And, and the teaching, like I said, has enough scripture and enough Jesus to fool people. But you know who we can't fool? We can't fool God. And even the Pharisees who tried to pretend that they kept the law all the time and that they were doing the right thing all the time, inside their hearts weren't right. And Jesus knew that because he knows our hearts. Jeremiah 23, 16 says, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. And Paul says in Romans 16, 17, and 18, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eyes on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learn and turn away from them. Such men are slaves not of the Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. We have to watch out for those who tell us what we want to hear. Instead of what God's word says. And y'all that's how we know. That's how we know the difference. Because we can know what is from God. And what is not. Because God will help us discern. Look at verse 16. You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes. Nor figs from thistles are they. Even so every good tree bears good fruit. And the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. James 3.12 says, Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. No one can hide forever. Ever, Like we said, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool God none of the time. <laughs> and there's a way to know if what we see and what we hear is from God, 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, But examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. You want to see the fruit? You want, you want to see if the fruit is good or the fruit is bad? What does God's word say about it? You want to know if that sermon or that lesson or that song or that, or that teaching or that, that word was from God? What does God's word say about it? You want to know if your church is on the right track or, or if your community or whatever is happening, whatever we're doing, whatever you feel like you're being led to do is from God and something you're supposed to do? What does God's word say about it? If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not from God. Period. That's how we know. If you go into an apple tree trying to pick pears, you ain't ever going to get one. And if you do, I want to see it. If you are following anything, you're believing anything. If you're putting your faith in anything that does not match up with the word of God. You're on the wrong path. And that's how we know. 
because it's going to line up. It has to. And God is going to separate the good from the bad. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Matthew 3.10 Jesus said the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In Luke 13 Jesus tells the story of a man who planted a fruit tree. And there was... And he hired someone to take care of the tree, take care of the, of the, of the garden uh, in the vineyard. And the tree wasn't bearing fruit. Nothing, nothing was growing. And in Luke 13, 7, he, he came and he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? If we're not producing fruit for the kingdom of God, what are we doing? Why are we here? If we are just going through the motions and the fruit of bringing people to Christ, showing the love of Christ in a practical way, Teaching God's word, proclaiming God's word, living God's word on a daily basis as best we can on this side of heaven. If, if none of that is coming out of our lives, then we're just taking up space. And that's not why he put us here. He didn't put us to take space up in the garden. He put us here to bear fruit. And I don't even like fruit. Except the fruit that God, that God brings out of my life. Let me, let me not, I don't want to deceive anybody. Anything good that comes out of my life, it's because God is causing that to happen. And if God uses me, it's because just that reason. He used me and I made myself available to be used. And that's what he expects from us. We got to walk the line if we're going to follow him. John 15, 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. God will separate those who are his from those who are not. And the fruit that comes out of every life is the evidence of which side will be separated. We got one more section and it's the hardest one. You all say, wait a minute. That wasn't the hardest one. Because we also have to understand that not just when it comes to leaders and teachers in the church, everyone who says they're a Christian may not be I'm going to let that sink in a minute everyone who says they're a Christian may not be Jesus said not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven just because someone confesses Christ does not mean that they are in relationship with him 
Romans 2.13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. It's not just enough that we've heard about God. It's not just enough that we've come to church. It's not just enough that grandma was a Christian. It's not, it's not just enough that we live in a, a what we call a Christian country or a Christian community. Or when somebody asks us, we say, I believe in God. Is that we can't just hear about it. We have to put it in action. Doesn't matter what you do, if you just hear about it and you don't do anything about it, then it's not effective. And we have to make sure that when the gospel has been preached to us, that we accept it and that we submit to it and that we give our lives to Christ and we let Him take control and we give that control over to Him. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, There nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. Remember when I said we can't hide from God? We can't, we can't fool God? God knows his children. God knows his children. There's a family resemblance. They start to look like him. Maybe not all the time because we're still human. But, there's a, but, but you can see it. If we're in Christ, there's going to be some way, shape, or form that somebody at some point in our life can look at us and see that we're a Christian. Can look at us and see Christ living in and through us. And what we've done doesn't matter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform miracles? Hosea 8, 2 says, they cry out to me, my God, we of Israel know thee. And Jesus says in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? Don't claim his name. Our lives need to show that. Our walk needs to match our talk. What we do doesn't matter unless it's coming from a relationship with God through Jesus. And just like he said, many are going to say on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? Did we not go to church on Sunday? Did we not give our tithe on a regular basis? Did we not teach Sunday school? Did we not serve on the deacon board? Did we not sing in the choir? Did we not play an instrument? Did we not go on mission trips? Did we not help the poor around us? Did we not do all the things we're supposed to do? And if your heart's not in tune with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what you do. It's all garbage because our heart is what says who we are and whose we are. And if going to church makes you a Christian, going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. It's what's in your heart And church We have to get our hearts right we, may have to, we have to make sure That we're doing what we do Because God's using us to do it And he's leading us to do it Because there's a reality That we're going to end on today And nobody likes talking about this But you know what If we're going to talk about heaven We've got to talk about hell There's a lot of ministers over the last 20, 30 years that have decided they're just going to take hell out of their vocabulary. And they're just going to take it out of the Bible and you ain't doing nobody no favors when you do that. 
And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. Those not in relationship with Jesus will be separated. In Matthew 25, 41, he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Who is it not prepared for? You. God doesn't want you to go there. He doesn't want your friends and neighbors to go there. He doesn't want your family members to go there. He didn't prepare it for us. But God's also not going to force us into heaven. He loves us too much to, to make us into robots. He gives us the opportunity to accept His gift of grace or to reject it. And most of us, if not all of us in this room, have, have accepted that gift. We've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've taken Him into our life. But you know what? We all know somebody who hasn't. And, and I don't know how much time we have left. I don't know when the Lord is coming back. I don't know. It, it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. It could happen in a thousand years. We don't know. But I know that I don't want to see anybody not ready for that. I know that I don't want anybody that I love or that I know. or Actually, I don't want anybody that I don't know. To stand before Jesus. Not having been covered by his blood. Because Revelation 20.15 says. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is real. And so many are on their way there. They're on that broad path. They're on that. Because they don't know. They don't know that there's a better way. They don't know that there's a Savior. And who are the ones that are going to tell them it's got to be us? It's got to be the children of God. Just thinking or saying that we're saved don't mean that we are. We're saved when we accept God's gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And as we grow in Him, fruit's going to come out of our lives. Through the works that He does through us. We must be wary of those who preach a false gospel and try to lead us astray and understand that God knows his own and will separate those who are not for eternity. So sometimes we may, we may know the Lord, we may be in a relationship with him, but, but we might not be living it, we might not be sharing it, we might not be saying it. Maybe the evidence isn't there, even if there's... Low-hanging fruit in our life, the fruit that should be coming out of our life isn't. And we're going to sing one song, and there's, and there's a question I'm going to give you right now that I want you to ponder and think about and ask God and pray about this, maybe not just today, and, and I want all of us. I have to ask this question myself, and I have to think about this as well. I'm not telling you to do anything that I'm not doing. But if you are on trial for being a Christian... Would there be enough evidence to convict you? 
Who are we when we walk out these doors? And what message are we sending to a lost and dying world? So I don't know what God's laid on your heart today. I would just encourage you, if he does lay something on your heart and you need to respond, don't be afraid. We're all friends here. Get right what needs to be gotten right. Because God may have a bigger plan to use you down the road that he's preparing you for. You may be the only Jesus some people ever see. Because they won't come in here. And they won't listen to me. They'll listen to you. Ask God to open those doors of opportunity. So as we sing our final song, you can stand, you can sit, you can come here and kneel, you can pray, whatever you need to do. Use this time as we sing, He is.